Hi, I'm Leslie Adamas, and welcome to Race Forward, a weekly podcast on God and race relations. This is a progressive, faith-filled conversation that will anger you, encourage you, and equip you. Thanks again for joining us today. You picked a great day to listen in. Here is my friend and the host of Race Forward, Pastor Chuck Allen. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Race Forward, God and Race Relations. I'm always with my friends, Karan Boston and Mal Manessis, and uh, today we're going to tackle something that nobody really wants to deal with, and that is the log in your own stinking eye. I will never forget in a million years the first time I understood the biblical principle about this one concept. How easy is it to look at everybody else and tell them that you don't have your junk together while yours is just out there for the whole world to see? I mean, the <laughs> scriptures say, hey, you're looking at your neighbor and you're pointing out a speck in their eye. I've always heard this Quran like it was sawdust, you know, and uh, while in the meantime, you got a telephone sticking out of yours. Or as a friend of mine used to say, don't be coming over here cleaning my toilet when yours is stopped up. So uh, I think there's a lot of analogies here, but today we're going to talk about what the law is in your eye when it comes to racial hindrances within our own culture. Woo! Because mm. we've all, you know, here's here's a truth that my guys we want to look at it kind of a, a big blanket over the whole over the whole thing today, and that is this picture. That is the farthest away you are, like the further you get away from a problem, the easier the solution seems. And the closer you get to the problem, the more complex and challenging the problem seems to be. So in other words, it's always easy to look over at the border, Mal, and say, let me tell you what mm. their problem is. But until you've been there, you don't know Jack. And I don't mm -hmm. know about you, but I'm tired of talking to people that always want to talk about things that they don't know Jack about. Mm. And so I feel the same way about when people get all bent out of shape about uh, where we're at in America right now, when they're not doing anything to make a difference, they just want to gripe about something. And so, you know, let's deal with the log in our own eye today. Here's a question to get us rolling. So Mal, give me the greatest uh, example of the dumbest piece of advice you've ever been given from somebody that clearly they didn't have their junk together. <laughs> Man, uh, well, I, I love what you just said because everybody seems to be an, an expert on everything nowadays. Uh, I would say that the, the biggest piece of advice that somebody gave me like that, it kind of uh, hits both points, the racial hindrance and, and, and the, the log in their eyes. Somebody told me, hey, man, stop trying so hard. Stop working so hard. You've already made it. I was making some renovations in a house that we had back in Rome, Georgia. And I had this uh, white dude working uh, for me. Uh, you know, he was a contractor. And he said, stop trying so hard. You've already made it. You have a white guy working for you, don't you? Unbelievable. <laughs> you cannot hide that level of stupid. I mean, seriously, that's just out there for the whole world to see. You know, my yeah, dad used yeah. to say, he would say, you know, there's a few things, son, that you can't hide in this world. He said, like, you can't hide money. If you got money, you're going to show it, right? Mm. And then he said, you know, you, you you can't hide fat. You can't strap that stuff up and hide it, man. I mean, it's just mm. out there for the world to see. And he said, you can't hide stupid because, honestly, you're going to show it. Like, you know, it's like you let a monkey climb far enough, far enough up a flagpole, they're going to show their hind parts to the world sooner or later, right? So, uh, Karan, you got, you have, anybody ever come to you and said, let me tell you what you ought to do, but deep down you know they were crazy as a bed bug and you didn't have a clue? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. We had this guy, man, that that tried to tell us as we were struggling, struggling students, man. Shout out to all my struggling students out there in the <laughs> world. Uh, y'all got tests and stuff coming up, going back to school. Uh, we had this one dude that swore that if we just read the cliff notes, we'd be all mm. right with whatever book assignments mm. we had to do. All we'd be all right getting through the class. All the cliff notes. Like, you can't be out there telling people, no, I read the whole mm-hmm. book if you just skimmed, skimmed no. the cliff notes good. of the book, no. man. That's not going to help you good. with your literacy. Not at all. At all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have had plenty of people. Like, at one point, y'all, I owned a restaurant. And believe it or not, it was a great restaurant. I did a lot of business. But one of the staples on the menu was banana pudding. Mm. And uh, I had people constantly calling me out to their table to tell me how I could make a better banana pudding. You know what I learned? Classic. That I could make their pudding, but I couldn't make their pudding and make money. And mm. so my thought, being the kind of guy that's filled with mercy, was to say, I want to give you this word of encouragement. Shut up and eat the pudding. You know, because I just didn't, I didn't have any more in me, but me for uh, mine, me, right? <laughs> I hear you, bro. I just, I, I just lose it in this whole concept because Yeesh. we live in a society that loves to look and compare to somebody else. We mm-hmm. always like to look across the aisle and say, let me tell you what's wrong with them. Like if always. you look at uh, what's going on in Washington right now, I'd, I just, I want at least somebody to show up and be an adult, just one body. That's all oh, I'm looking my for, goodness. one body. That would make my whole 2020. Yeah, but you know, mm-hmm. the problem is, I don't know that we have an adult in the room uh, because we're always pointing at somebody else. It's always somebody else's fault. But this concept, the biblical concept of the log in our own eye when it relates to race relations is what is it about me that keeps me from being able to be in right relationship with others, not what's wrong with them that keeps me from being in right relationship with them, you know? Yeah. And uh, I look at that and I think, uh, what do you think, guys? Here's a, here's a good kind of jump off the cliff question for us, and that is, what do you guys think? Now I want to start with you. What mm-hmm. keeps you and what keeps uh, your, your group of close friends around you, what keeps you from getting to the table to have difficult and challenging conversations, including those around race? What is it that hinders you from getting there? Well, I would I would say that perception uh, uh, and and um, it's probably one of the the biggest things because people perceive us as what they learn through the media through the news mm. and they would never ever um, count us in as uh, a, a valid opinion or an educated opinion just because of the background that we think all of us have. I, I, I guess right. you could call it a stereotype. But yeah. just because of the color of my skin, just because of where I come from and the language that I speak, um, I couldn't be an expert on anything that has anything to do with this country. And wow, that that is that is a, a big deal. And I live that on a daily basis. You know, not not necessarily in a bad way, but the perception, as as, as said, it, it becomes reality, and it's it's a, yeah. it's a pretty heavy reality. You know, but I got to yeah. be honest with you, uh, it doesn't. Even from, from my side of the table, that doesn't sound good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, it, because uh, what I do know about humanity is that when we start uh, when we start believing the stereotypes that exist, we create within us significant insecurities that then start to define us. You know, uh, like I've got my own, like before I go to Quran, like you've so 60 years old white guy, what keeps me from coming to the table? Uh, honestly, it is busyness. 
because there's always something that could keep me from it. Uh, two, it is, okay, do I really see this as my fight? I think there's a lot of that. Is this really mm -hmm. my issue? Uh, third thing is, okay, what's it going to cost me? You know what I mean? Like this, is it going to cost me something because I'm going to have people bent out of shape with me because I'm at that table because let's, I mean, in the binary stupidity of how we Americans see this issue, it feels like there's no middle of the road. You have to be, uh, you have to be on the extremes. And yet I believe this log in the eye concept is that as white leaders, we need to come to the table with mm. truth, with love, with grace, with graciousness, because there is much not only to do, but predominantly to learn. You know, and when you, when you surrender your willingness to learn, you've surrendered your right to lead, you know? So, Karan, yeah. what, what keeps uh, African-American leaders, including yourself, I suppose, and your, your sphere of influence from coming to the mm. table? Oh, yeah, man. Well, so I'm, I'm not going to pretend like, um, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend like I don't have my own obstacles. Uh, but for the most part, what I can identify to be true about most of my black friends that I talk to, uh, a lot of the things that keep us from getting to that table just have to do with the us versus them mentality. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm at the table all the time and I get to hear from both sides, from all three sides, all four, if you will, uh, what 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 the other side thinks that we can do. But when I go to talk with my fellow black brothers and sisters, that us versus them thing creeps up all the time and it shows its ugly face by wow. ways of like bitterness it shows its ugly face with like anger our inability to be organized and specific and and mm. even financial literacy shows up in those us versus them conversations i know wow. I'm, i know i'm talking and i'm giving like a verbal butt whooping right now for my own people and i'm not selling out but what i am saying is there is a massive log in our eye we talk about mm. systemic oppression or systemic racism all the time which is very very real things but we fail to realize that we have a part in that system right right but you know what i mean i'm listening to you talking honestly karan i feel like uh, Mal or myself, either one, could have taken what you said and put our our uh, our gender, our uh, age segment, uh, we, our race. We could have taken any of those things you said, and I, if that's true of me and my sphere of influence. I bet mm -hmm. it's true of Mal and his mm -hmm. sphere of influence because the us versus them concept is so unbiblical. There, yeah. There's nothing that is biblical. There's nothing in the character of God. There's nothing in the teaching and the word of God that says this is how we are to treat his creation. And there, somewhere in there is uh, this sense that I wonder if we have become so immune to it that now we, we just blow the conviction of it that the Holy Spirit's trying mm. to teach us. We just say, all right, I don't want to be convicted of this because I don't want to deal with this because mm -hmm. it's somebody else's problem, mm, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's no different than watching CNN or Fox. It's always somebody else's problem. But you know what? It's, it's my problem. It's your problem. It's the listener's problem. It's, it's our issue to deal with. So uh, I guess let, let's flip the question around for what it was earlier. So instead of uh, silly advice that you may have received, what would be good advice that you would give your peers in your sphere of influence about, A, uh, why they should get to the table, and B, what do you do when you get there? 
I mean, I, I think that um, the biggest thing that I would scream from the mountaintop is that race has nothing to do with eligibility. Mm. Uh, I, I can be the smartest person and, and, and I can be the, the, the best and well-versed person in the world and, and, and come from the least likely place in Latin America. You know, and, and um, a, a lot of times, man, it, it really upsets me. And this, is, this touches home for me uh, because of where I come from. People just shut the door without even thinking about opportunity. So, again, advice is give opportunity without, you know, that pre-conceived mindset, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and so opportunity, opportunity, and in 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 that us, us versus them. See, I feel that brown people, Latinos, we're sort of in the middle. We became that third person in a two man fight uh, mm -hmm. down, you know, later in history. Because wow. you know, and, and uh, so we, a lot of us are there, just trying to find an opportunity. This for me is a privilege to be to have a voice with you guys. But a lot mm -hmm. of uh, of Latinos that are here are trying to find a voice, are trying to find space and opportunity mm -hmm. to do, say what they want to say and do what they want to do. So give us an opportunity. You see, when I hear that, my thought is, just like uh, Karana talked about, the this is why the church must have a voice here. The church must have a voice here because if there's ever a place that Jesus designed people to be safe at was his church. Yes. Uh, they're, they're, the place where we ought to be uh, most forgiving, the place where we ought to be most prayerful, the place where we should be most at home ought to be the house of God. And uh, But I fear that unless we begin to cross-culture our mindsets of the church, we are going to continually just perpetuate what has already been there. I have a white church, I have a Hispanic church, I have a black church. And you know what? That, I, I don't believe you find that model inside mm -hmm. of the scriptures either. Can so, I say something no, with all due respect to all my American friends? I, I, I love the United States of America. I am a U.S. citizen myself, and I love everything that the States has done for me and my family. But uh, the States, or, or white people, or, or in general, the culture has pointed fingers so much at so many things that have been brought from Latin America that yeah. without even noticing and taking all that time to point fingers, America is becoming a lot of those things. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Wow, that yeah. that right there, that's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. Yeah, that's good. That. Yeah. Karan, what's uh, what's your what is the best piece of advice you give? And the same question. So, uh, what is the why behind why you and your peers come to the table when you get there? What do you do? Yeah. So I will say, man. Unfortunately, I think the why behind why we come to the table right now is. We want to be heard and we want to mm. get our point across. But again, if that's the only reason why we're coming to the table, then we're just attacking a symptom instead of attacking the roots that produce the symptom. And so when you when you do that, if that's your only goal, you have approached the table by way of bitterness and by way of anger and using mm. that as a form of expression to get that out. Right. But but listen, we can't be bitter. Like a friend of mine always said, like, bitterness is like drinking poison, hoping the other person will die. Yeah, meanwhile, it's it, rotting it eats, your gut out. Yeah. yeah, it eats you alive from the inside. Meanwhile, you're hoping that it affects the other person. So but good. no, when we are followers of Christ, 
We're called to forgive. How many times? 70 times seven? No, even more than that, right? We're called to forgive because we have been forgiven. And so when we approach these table conversations, man, we have to literally leave our bitterness, leave our anger. Yes, slavery was wrong. Yes, Jim Crow was wrong. Yes, there are still things happening right now that prove that we haven't made it very far away from those things. But for crying out loud, we have to approach these things with love. We have to approach these right. things with unity in mind because yep. without those things, we're just sounding an alarm, being a, being a whistle, going home, being a little bit more frustrated. Like yep. those things aren't going to heal us. Just expressing that doesn't heal us. Yeah. But reaching for reconciliation there, which is yeah, a, just a without big word for, for being that, unified. Uh, yeah, without being that, you really are that clanging symbol, you know, that Paul talks about. You're just out there making noise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I would say both of you are on point for what I'd say to my white peers. But I would add this, and that is um, if, if you will stop looking at what the media puts in front of you each night as four different African-American people that are conveying that bitterness that you're talking about, if you'll look past that with forgiveness, you can come to the table and learn that they do not speak for everybody. You, mm-hmm. you can come to the table mm-hmm. and know that you you don't know everything there is to know about everything. And when, mm-hmm. when you look at God's creation and assume that you do, you're shaking your fist in the face of God. So mm-hmm. stop with those assumptions. You are not helping anybody with those assumptions. Mm-hmm. So that'd be my first take. Uh, when you get to the table, what I would say is suspend what you assume. It's kind of like talking to, on a plane with an atheist. You know, you sit down on a plane with an atheist and uh, the guy sees you reading your Bible, preparing a sermon or whatever. And the guy says, you know, I'm an atheist. And you say, well, good for you. That's awesome. And then you say, well, let me ask you a question. Are you an honest atheist or a dishonest atheist? The guy says, uh, well, I'm an honest atheist. So I'd say, well, in your honesty, uh, you'd have to admit you don't know everything about everything. The guy would say, yeah, exactly. And I says, well, you know what? I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And let's just say, you know, 50% of everything there is to know in the whole world. The guy always, you know, I don't know all that, you know. And my answer would be, well, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You know, 50% of everything. And the 50% you don't know, is it possible that God exists? So then the guy says, well, you know, maybe I'm not an atheist. I'm an agnostic. Then you say, well, let me ask you a question. Are you an honest agnostic or are you a dishonest agnostic? Are You, you see where I'm going here? And yeah. what I would say oh, yeah. to my peers would be, hey, listen, uh, this is the key here. Uh, suspend what you think you know, because there is always something you don't know. And you're not always the smartest person in the room. Uh, So have a willingness to learn something, because in your learned knowledge, you will discover that God made no mistake. That Mm. science and creation is always hand in glove. Don't be dumb enough to assume you know everything you think you don't know. Uh, what was that line from Hamilton? You don't know what you don't know. Uh, well, that's, you know that's what, it. that right there is what we need to suspend. All right, guys, it's time for us to wrap up today. I think you guys have hit on some really challenging thoughts. Let me leave us with this thought that, um, friends, to be like Jesus in reconciliation of any form, you've got to be willing to take the first step. Don't Don't wait for somebody else to do it. It's your job to take the first step. And that's what it means to model Christ in broken relationships and in racial relationships. I really feel like, guys, we need to do a part two 
on this segment. Maybe we come back next week and we finish this thought because I really think that would be good. And then sometime in the next few weeks, uh, Karan, I want to tackle what I heard on uh, uh, a couple of news outlets where uh, a young lady said that uh, looting a store is equal to reparation. And uh, (laughs) I know I heard that and I thought this is why we need this podcast. You know, maybe we talk about that in part two because <laughs> maybe we definitely will. Maybe we will. In our <laughs> but here's a challenge, guys. That since this podcast with with some folks in our own camp struggle with this, I would encourage all of our listeners to decide to put this to the test. Go ahead and find a couple of two or three people that you're willing to put at the table and have this conversation. Uh, I got to tell you a story. So a friend of mine. Uh, uh, he he probably is a bigot. Yeah, I'd go that far. And uh, so on the phone the other night, you know, he says kind of a, no, it was a racial slur. All right. Just I'm, I'm trying to cover for him. But it was one of those like white lie ones. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, it was safe, you know, and uh, I, I called him on it. And really, you would have thought I shot him. I mean, because yep. he was like, holy crap, you're serious about this. And it's like, of course, I'm serious about this. Where have you been? Yeah. But you know what? That's what I'm saying. Just go ahead and call people on it, and before long, they're going to believe you because you live that. So get people engaged, bring them to the table, but you be willing to be there. Don't tell somebody else they've got to fix this because somebody else can't fix it unless you're willing to fix it. You know, come to the stinking table, you know? Absolutely. And when you are, be willing to learn, suspend what you think you know. And, uh, you know, church, listen, we've got a beam in our light, in our eyes right now. The world is watching what we are going to do with this issue. Tune in next week, folks, and we're going to talk more and more about our influence and how we bring people to the table and what's happening with a log in our own eye, part two. Hey, uh, Karan, I love you, brother, and uh, I'm grateful to be on a journey with you. Mal, I love you, bro. And uh, I want to tell everybody that's listening, please share this podcast. One of the next things you can do uh, in coming to the table is share this podcast to open people's minds and hearts about God and racial reconciliation. I believe this is a big, big deal for America. I believe it's a big, big deal for the church. So let us stand up and be heard. God bless you, folks. Go in peace. See y'all. Cheers.